chapter 16. We come to the end of chapter 16. We're going to be in John's Gospel. We're also going to turn to Daniel briefly. But as we come to the end of chapter 16, where Jesus concludes his teaching, the Garden of Gethsemane was close by where Jesus would offer up his high priestly prayer as he awaited his betrayal and arrest and his torture, crucifixion. So the time had come for poignant speech, direct talk. For as Jesus says in chapter 16, verse 25, these things I've spoken to you in figurative language. An hour is coming where I no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly of the Father. Jesus is going to press upon the disciples the fact that in this world they would have tribulations. Also, he gives them comfort. He has overcome the world. I have with this text this morning... Realizing the hour at hand with the providence of God, with us, some of us, being confronted with First with Peter chapter 4 in the evenings and seeing all of this work together, the orchestration of these texts tells me something in my mind as I pray, as I stand before you, Some of you here are not spiritually ready for difficult times and are not prepared for persecution if it were to come. I heard a recent well-known solid preacher give a statistic, and he usually does not give statistics. But he says that, and I'm paraphrasing, that during the pandemic, or coronavirus he called it, 40% of those who left the church never came back. Indeed, a way of purifying the church. Some of you here this morning have become more on the fringe of the church when you should be seeking to become more attached to the church. If that is you this morning, you are misguided. You are misguided, and you will suffer for it. God, at the same time, has brought within the last year or so people who desire to be attached more closely to the local church, hungry for the word, desire for real, genuine fellowship and prayer, the desire to be better evangelists for God's glory. And when the spiritually lazy see this, they don't understand it, they criticize it, they undermine it, they gossip, they spread foolishness, and they cry legalism. I want to challenge some of you in here to be careful and cautious with a rebellious spirit in this society, a society that is moving more towards 
secularism and more anti-Christian by the hour. A rebellious spirit carrying over into the worship of God into the local church where you will become rebellious toward God and you will become a hindrance to your brothers and sisters in Christ rather than a help to them, which we are called to be. God has called us together to one another's as described in the scripture. I could die tomorrow. And whoever stands behind this pulpit, whether it be me or someone else, it better be a man by the Holy Spirit of God willing to stand firm when things get rough. When the question will come, do you now believe? Verse 28 for us this morning. Father, I pray you would help me to be faithful to your text this morning for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. First point is the mission of Jesus Christ. Verse 28, look at this. Jesus says, I came forth from the Father and I have come into the world. I am leaving the world again and going to the Father. This definite act that took place, the incarnation. Jesus speaks unequivocally of his eternal and divine origin. The disciples were able to understand as much. Well, they said in chapter 16, verse 30, we believe you come from God. Remember Nicodemus early on, chapter 3, a Pharisee said to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus came from the Father, perfect in unity, deity, his preexistence, his departure from heaven to a sin-filled, sin-cursed world on a rescue mission to save lost sinners, and to glorify God, his Father. He came from heaven. If Christ did not come from heaven, he could not be Savior. This, as he says here, what he has done and what he will do is another direct claim to deity. It cannot be denied. His focus is not only from being from heaven, but also his incarnation. He refers to his incarnation in the perfect tense, past action with continued results. When he says, I have come into this world, he has come into this world, the the virgin birth, his sinless life, his ministry, and has he come to lay down his life as an atoning sacrifice? And his coming into this world, he came to reveal the glory and grace of the Father. The mission of Jesus Christ. Then Jesus explains that he is leaving the world again and going to the Father. This present tense verb, action he was about to take. We know how he was leaving the world. He was leaving the world by way of the cross to save people from their sins to remove their guilt. Indeed, as Psalm 103 would say to us, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, has he? Nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. 
For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him, not to those who do not fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Speaking of the fear of God this morning, Wednesday night we looked at five different ways someone can fear God. Do you know that four out of five ways that is an unregenerate person? And one way is a Christian, a God-fearer. Jesus was going to the Father. By doing so, he would take up the ministry of intercessory prayer for all believers. And Christ is at the right hand of of God the Father, interceding for us. And at his resurrection and his ascension, revealing God's acceptance of his atoning death. I encourage you to read Psalm 24 in your time as you consider the reception that Christ would have. As he came from heaven, he goes into the world. He returns back to the Father after his resurrection. What a reception that must have been. They recap verse 28. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. I am leaving the world again and going to the Father. His eternal and divine origin, deity, the incarnation emphasized, secondly. Thirdly, leaving the world by way of the cross. Think about that. That's how he left. He left the world that way for us, for sinners like us. Going to the Father, the glorious reception of his return, now interceding for his people. Now look at verse 29. His disciples said, Lo, now you are speaking plainly and are not using a figure of speech. Now we know that you know all things and have no need for anyone to question you. By this we believe that you've come from God. So the disciples were correct in a sense. Jesus was speaking plainly to them, not figuratively. They thought now there was nothing veiled. It was Jesus speaking poignantly to them, directly and clearly. They thought, okay, now we got it. Now we understand. Yet if they really understood what they claimed to, very likely they would have acted and reacted quite differently when the authorities came for Jesus Christ. They claim to, know, to believe that Jesus knows all things, and indeed he does. With all the, the teaching of the upper room behind them, as the disciples would go along, and with the Garden of Gethsemane in view, they indeed have no reason to question Jesus. So we see, verse 28, the mission of Jesus Christ. Secondly, The challenge from Christ, the challenge from Christ, as they say, the disciples say, you are speaking plainly or no longer using a figure of speech. We understand, we believe that you come from God. Jesus challenges them. He answers them, do you now believe? Do you now believe? They did believe in parts, But perhaps their self-confidence is bleeding through in their statements. 
It was genuine belief, yes, but trials and tribulations awaited them that they knew nothing of. And that would shake them to the very core. Their belief was inadequate. Jesus was challenging the disciples. As if to say, believers and being a believer in Jesus Christ was not so easy. Once God opens our eyes to the truth, the gospel is indeed something we believe, we understand. As I mentioned this morning, every Christian should be able to, in the the evangelism class, should be able to present the gospel of Jesus Christ in a brief time. And if you're an officer of this church, absolutely, you must be able to present the gospel. And shame on you if you cannot in a few minutes. God has opened our eyes to the truth, Christian. The gospel is indeed something we believe, we understand. However, there is the counting of the cost, the understanding of dying to self, and the fact that we must kiss the ways of the world goodbye if we are to follow Jesus Christ, believing on him. We should never take lightly following Jesus Christ. Some of you may have been out late last night, past midnight perhaps. I don't know. I have no reason to believe or think that some of you were. Engaging in the things of the world and barely making it here this morning. Why would that be? How could that be? Taking lightly the things of Christ. We must, as Christians, kiss the ways of the world goodbye. Never taking lightly following Jesus. Nor should we present to others following Jesus Christ is as simple as praying some sinner's prayer. Do you think you'll be steadfast in the day of battle? Now I'm going to, as we turn to Daniel, I'm going to reference a few phrases here that are popular today, and I don't necessarily disagree with these phrases, and I am not, I'm hesitant to even mention this, but I don't want those who uh, have recently said these things to think that I am picking on them because I am not, I'm using that as an illustration And I'm not saying I disagree with these things. I'm just using them as an illustration because they are popular today. But I want to go to Daniel chapter 3, I believe it is. It might be chapter 2. Let me see here. Uh, chapter 3. Right where the ribbon was, Wes. Right where the ribbon was. Okay. Steadfast in the day of battle. Spiritually. Now, again, I'm mentioning these phrases. You are my friends and brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ. These are popular phrases. I'm not apologizing. I'm just pointing them out. I will comply. I will not comply. 
You've heard the phrase. You've seen it, right? A meme or whatever it is, I will not comply. Or awakened. I'm awakened. Well, let me take that phrase for a moment. If someone's not a born-again Christian in Jesus Christ, they are not awakened. I don't care how much they know about what's going on in society when a society goes from capitalism to communism, or whatever it may be. If they are not awakened to the gospel of Jesus Christ, they are dying and going to hell. Let's remember these things. Keep the main thing. I will not comply or awakened. When times get tough spiritually, do you believe? Will you rely on Jesus Christ because you have been walking so near with him? And will you call to your brothers and sisters in Christ in the local church because you're so close to them? Or you rely on something else? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You understand the account in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. These men taken into captivity. Then the king presented the golden image. Let's start in verse, uh, excuse me, yes, verse 1, chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, the height of it, which was 60 cubits, its width 6 cubits, set it up on the plain of Dura and the providence of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent word to assemble the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the providences who come to the dedication of the image of Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the providences were assembled for the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the herald loudly proclaimed to you, the command is given, O peoples, nations, and men of every language, that at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, the bagpipe, and all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast in the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, at that time, when all the peoples heard the sounds, all the people's nations, And every man of every language fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. For this reason, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and brought charges against the Jews. They responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar the king, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, and the bagpipe, and all kinds of music is to fall down and worship the golden image. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. There are certain Jews which you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you and do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was in rage and anger and gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when these men were brought before the king. This this Nebuchadnezzar in, in rage and anger saying, you will comply. You will comply. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, 
Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, and the bagpipe, and all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image I have made very well. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God, who we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. They were saying they would not comply, they would not refuse to worship the one true God in order to serve other gods. And these men didn't just come up with this. These were men of God. These were men of prayer. These were men of the word. And that is what God used. And that is the thing that God uses to grow men and women to be able to make such a stand. The mission of Christ, the challenge from Christ We have the challenge of Jesus' words in our own lives. Do you now believe? If so, we will pray to be delivered from temptation. We will be abiding in the word of God. We will take up and participate in the means of grace in the local church. And we will love and have fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. Thirdly, the imminent departure of Christ. The mission of Christ, the challenge from Christ, and the imminent departure of Christ. Behold, an hour is coming. This is, he's saying this, it has already come. It is imminent, so close as if it is already here. It has already come for you to be scattered, each one to his own home, and to leave me alone. Think about Jesus saying that everything he's done and how he's been there for them and been there with them. And he is saying to this, to leave me alone. And yet, I'm not alone because the Father is with me. In the time of the crisis, the shallowness and limitations of their faith would be shown when they all left the Lord. They would be scattered. This is a word used of sheep scampering at the wolf. Their failure at this critical moment is recorded in Scripture for us for a reason. They all professed faith in Christ, yet at the pivotal moment, they were all unable to to stand. Mark tells us in chapter 14, verse 50, they all left him and fled. They did not leave together as a group. They scattered as if every man for himself. Think about that. The disciples all leaving, except John and Peter. And they didn't all go together in a group. It's boom, scattered. Every man for himself back to our homes. 
possibly, to their individual homes. They left Jesus all alone. Yet, because of his relationship to the Father, he was not alone. And consider that. Any of us in here who feel lonely at times, if we follow Christ, we are never alone. And God will use that in our lives to drive us nearer to Jesus Christ. Or he'll drive, or you'll take it upon yourself and drive, drive nearer to something else like the bottle or whatever it is. Which one will you choose? He left Jesus all alone, yet because of his relationship with the Father, he was not alone until that appointed time where he would endure separation from the Father for the first time when he was on the cross. Bearing our guilt, paying for our sin, having God's wrath poured upon him, and he would cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He would say that as he was on the cross, as God the Father would turn from Christ, as sin was placed upon Christ. But right here he is saying, I am not alone because the Father is with me. And that happened to him because he bore our sin and God cannot look at sin. And the scriptures foretold of these things. I'll just read these for us. Psalm 88, 8 and 18. You have removed my acquaintances far from me. Speaking of what would happen to Jesus. You have made me an object to them. I am shut up and cannot go out. You have removed lover and friend far from me. My acquaintances are in darkness. And Zechariah 13 and verse 7, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, and against the men my associate, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd so that the sheep may be scattered, and I will turn my head against the little one. In Mark 14, 27, Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. All left him and fled. Exceptions, Peter and John. Peter followed at a distance, but then he denied him three times, as Jesus said he would. Publicly denied him. John entered the courtyard to watch the mock trial. John was acquainted with the ruling priests, and John was present at the cross alongside Jesus' mother. Applications for us. We consider this scattering. Dangerous for Christians today. Scattered by false teaching or bad doctrine or pride or worldliness. Scattering away from the local church. If you remove yourself from the local church further and further, do not be under the mindset that you will have unity with your brothers and sisters in Christ, with those who are committed to the local church. The disciples were scattered, yet Jesus stood firm. Wherever you are this morning, perhaps scattered in some way, the call from the book of James, chapter 4, is to draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So we see the mission of Christ and then the challenge from Christ. Do you believe? That's a challenge for all of us this morning. Do we really believe this book? Do we really believe Christ? Challenge for me, a challenge for you. 
And then the imminent departure of Christ. And as we live, not knowing when the Lord would return, the imminent return of Christ. But fourthly, peace from Christ. Peace from Christ. Verse 33, these things, back in John. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. This is a present active subjunctive. What does that mean? It means you may keep on having peace in me, says Christ. So that you may keep on having peace in me. In the world you will have tribulation. But take courage, I have overcome the world. He's saying these things as if they have already happened. This is before Jesus went to the cross. And he is saying, I have overcome the world. He overcame the world by going to the cross. Victorious warrior, conqueror. It was at the cross, as Revelation says, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome. Worthy is he who was slain and purchased for God with his blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And as Romans declares in chapter 1, he was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. His victorious conquering at the cross, he overcame the world. And this is parallel to his wordings when he said, it is finished. We have peace in Christ, and we also have hatred and tribulation upon us from this world and in this world. Consider the contrasts, verse 33. In me, he says, in Christ or in this world. In Christ you may have peace. In this world you may have tribulation. Which one do you want to be a part of? Which one do you want to focus on more? Things of Christ or things of this world? We all live in this world, a world of tribulation and troubles, common to all who live in the world. Right? It rains on the just and the unjust. A Christian gets in an accident. A non-believer gets in an accident. A Christian can prosper. A non-believer can prosper. This world of tribulation and troubles, though, is common to all. But we, Christians, we are stepping into more troubled water. Troubled times. You can see it, you can smell it, you can taste it. Pressure and persecution may very likely be on the horizon. And as Christians, we only have peace in Christ as we live in this world. As Christians, we are not to be like the world, and we are not to remove ourselves from the world as isolationists. A friend and I, a brother, we were having a conversation at the picnic, actually, and we were just talking about off-the-grid living. Off-the-grid living. And my first question is, where's the local church? 
where is the local church? As we went back and forth and talking about these various things we have today and don't have, don't need and such. But where would the local church be? We cannot be isolationists from the church or we cannot be isolationists in this world. We have to engage the world or the world will engage us. Are we paying attention, brothers and sisters? Do we want to see souls out there saved? Do we want to engage them as God has commanded us to? We cannot remove ourselves from the world. We cannot desert the local church if something else were to come and claim to be following Christ. He died for his church. Leon Moore says, the cross would seem to the outsider to be Jesus' total defeat. He sees it. He sees it as his complete victory over all that the world is and can do to him. He goes to the cross, not in fear or in gloom, but as a conqueror. It ought to be comforting to know that the Prince of Peace has left us with peace. Jesus spoke about peace before in chapter 14. We know as believers we are not immune to the storms of life. Whatever the category of the storm may be. But we are secure as we sang the song this morning, He Will Hold Me Fast. We are secure because the rock of ages is our refuge. And as Spurgeon famously said, I have learned to kiss the waves that throw me up against the rock of ages. We have peace with God by being in Christ, knowing our sins are forgiven. We have peace of God, which fluctuates in our individual sanctification, but is increased in our prayers to God. Peter learned this later in life. As we'll see when we get to chapter 5 of 1 Peter, Lord willing. We find peace through the teaching of God's word. And we find the privilege of being under his word, studying his word, which we gain peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. And it's through many tribulations that you must enter the kingdom of God. We should not be surprised, never be surprised by trials in this life. Never be surprised by the hatred of the world. Listen to A.W. Pink. While the Christian is left down here, he suffers from the weaknesses and weariness of the body, from temporal losses and disappointments, from the severing of cherished ties, as well as from sneers and taunts, the hatred of perse- and persecution of the world. Matthew Henry says, as men, worldly men, design to cut believers off from the, from the earth. And God designs by affliction to mark them ready for heaven. And so between both of those, we shall have tribulation. But if we have tribulation in this world, we have peace in Jesus Christ. Which one should we direct our heart and mind and soul and strength towards the things of this world, the ways of this world, or Jesus Christ. He says, take courage, I have overcome the world. 
two types of people in here this morning. Those who are born again and those who are lost. Those who are in the kingdom of God and those who are of the world. Some of you in here really struggle with which kingdom you are in. People reject that God's Son came into this world from heaven because they refuse to surrender to him. People want to remain in control of their lives even though they are not actually in control of their lives. People of the world also reject the truth of Jesus' departure from this world by the cross because they refuse to admit their need for a Savior because they refuse to admit their need to be forgiven of their sins, of their blasphemies, idolatries, lying, coveting, and so on. Some of you in here think you are ready to stand before Jesus, but you are not. If you were to die today, you would spend eternity in hell where there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Any trials and tribulations in this world are child's play when compared to the sufferings of an eternal hell. But God provided a way for sinners. Behold the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who came to take away the sins of the world. Redemption provided in Jesus Christ, who God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. His death on the cross satisfied the wrath of God, and he rose from the dead on the third day. And you can be reconciled with God today by repenting of your sins and placing your faith and trust in Christ alone. So we see the mission of Christ, the challenge from Christ, the imminent departure of Christ, and we look, we look to the imminent return of Christ, and we as Christians know that we have the peace of Christ. Let us pray. Father, we know that in a difficult time or a persecution or a trial that would come, we can only stand firm because of your grace. But we also know we are to discipline ourselves. We are to be men and women of Christ, not take these things lightly. Lord, if we are ever forced into the ways of this world, God, that you would give us the strength not to deny Christ, not to deny your word, but to stand firm on the rock of ages, to cling to you so closely, O Lord. And we thank you that you give us the peace that no one else can give, no matter what is going on in our lives today. Whatever circumstances, whatever trial, tribulation, you are with your people. We pray we would honor you and glorify you this day. In Jesus' name, amen.